You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. A kiss, as defined by Dan Webster, is something pleasing, a caress, a gentle touch. But there's another kiss that isn't in Webster's. Hey world, we're kids! Some critics say they don't make music, they just make noise. Yeah, kiss! Kiss implies the extreme in the theatrics on stage, utilizing fire and smoke and bizarre costumes and the ever-consistent, constant concealment of their true identities. Speaking of which, Kiss is going to have its own comic book soon. Take Kiss with you. It's fun. Show your friends and be the first. Now. And welcome once again to No Time to Turn, a Kiss Nerd Podcast. Nerds. Joining me as always is Cap and Alex from the Something Good Network. Yo, yo. What's going on? If you haven't checked out all the good stuff at the Something Good Network, it's something good for you to check out. Hey. Hey. I like that. Hey. I like that. Yeah, you got to pay me money. (laughs) (laughs) Shilling for you guys. I'll I'll find a couple quarters here for you, Boogie, out here. Yeah. If there's one thing I've learned... While studying Kiss, is you always got to go for the money? <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> no, nothing's um, ever for free. Um, we concluded the last show, which was the Sonic Boom album and tour, and that whole kind of era, I guess. Yeah. Uh, now we're going from era, we're literally going era to era. Now they're not even doing tour cycles like normal. Um, I mean. Unlike uh, previous years, they're kind of staying on the road at this point, doing different tours, um, because they uh, after they finish up the uh, Sonic Boom tour, they jump on the uh, Hottest Show on Earth tour. Did we, and, did we which covered one, that, right? Did we cover Hottest Show on Earth? I don't uh, think so. I don't forget what they called it, but I mean, yeah, I thought was, that was... Yeah, there was a follow-up tour to the Sonic Boom tour. No, who, I think... Who I think, was the opener? Do, or was there an opener? Uh, let me find so this that stuff, out. Real we quick. just did a show on this and we've already forgotten. I know. That shows I, how I, insignificant. And I lived all through this. this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, they're yeah. just out there. The point is, is they're just out there. Yes. Yeah. They're just out well, there. But what I was going to say is, unlike previous years, they're kind of staying on the road at this point, though. But they're not least. doing like full tours. It's like we, we did a lot of uh, going through the mid 2000s. They were doing a lot of the like package tours. Well, they were doing those, fair those shows. Yeah. They, and then they were before that, though, they were just doing like six dates in the united states or whatever you know um but you know like i said we're jumping era to era this last tour ends on july 28th at the turning stone resort casino (laughs) (laughs) sorry i can't you know things are going to turn around in a big way though this is and so i say this to a point but talking about end of an era uh on june 28th 2010 Bill Coin succumbed to cancer at the age of 66. And I don't think we could, we would be remiss not to stop and note the, the life and importance of Bill Coin here for a moment. How impactful that is. Because without Bill Coin, there is no kiss. I watched a documentary the other night about uh, Mastodon, and uh, this latest record they did was about their manager, who had been with them since day one, and how that bled into a lot of the themes on their record. So that kind of like the guy, that relationship with the guy that got you to where you are is huge. Yeah, and I, I felt like, like they kind of—I wouldn't say downplayed him after he was gone, but you know, I think they like to sell the idea that everything was their idea they created it all you know 
They were, is, when they, it was all, you know, it's just, you know, them, which I, I makes sense to a degree. And I'm sure that he encouraged that to a point as they yes, were but developing. The same, but at the same time, as we, you know, when we were doing those really deep, you know, dives and kind of peeling back the pages on those earlier episodes, you know, we find out that Bill had that really good eye for television. He was in television. He knew what was going to capture people's attention. So he saw that Kiss was going to grab attention and exactly what you said expand on that yeah. stuff and then him with john delaney were helping choreograph stuff so you know it's, it's not like gene and paul said hey let's do our you know shoulder right. sway guitar up moment here no that was a sean delaney moment spearheaded by <clears throat> bill Lacoin because he's like you need something that's going to showcase visually how, striking how great visually you striking band you need to yeah well and just he was able to connect the dots and push things you know, the, the stuff he did, kind of, I mean, how important he was even with their relationship with Casablanca. And the fact that he bankrolled famously those first two years on his American Express card. Yeah. <laughs> now, if there's one holy grail item, and I'm sure he's cut it up, but I mean, it just would not be cool to have the yes. American Express oh card. That, that, that is one of those ones. It's like that and the original contract. And that, that, there's a little sh- I'm sure he cut it up, and those slivers of plastic are sitting in a landfill somewhere in the New I Jersey. Know you know who knows uh but that would be kind of a that cool really thing. would be but i didn't ever think about that and we've asked before who you know who do you think was the better manager for kiss in in the long run now they both have years behind them was it bill coin or was it doc mcgee mm. and i, I mean too, do we want to answer that on our final episode we can because we've kind of teased we kind of teased that as the ongoing question throughout the series but we've yet to answer it so maybe that needs to be the wrap up answer well it's something to think about so but I I, have you know like an answer too so yeah, i do I a know. little bit too but i want to formulate it maybe actually write it out i don't think there is a wrong answer there isn't and that's kind of what i want to like figure out yeah both are very obviously very important and vital figures in the band's history um i think it's and i'm sure they i guess if they were touring they would have been unable to attend a coin's funeral i don't know to me you know and this is just personal i'm not this i'm not taking like any kind of umbrage with the band for not doing this but i'm i'm saying me personally i probably would have canceled dates and been there i would have felt compelled to pay my respects personally and you know i'm i'm a i'm a little bit disappointed that they didn't do it but i understand you know i i don't think that it was a cold-hearted or you know no, anything I, like I that i'm I don't sure think it was it's just, any sort of calculated move right. or, or any sort of extra thought went into it other than hey doc if we canceled the show how much do we owe? I, I don't think it's even that. I think they, they could have. That, I don't think that was a decision making thing in there. I think it honestly was a money thing. Uh, That's the main reason those kind of situations well, even happen. They, well, did they at least do a tribute like during the show? I don't know. I did. You know, I just. Um, I, I kind of like overlooked I this while we were doing the last show. So I don't hold me to it. One, I feel like they definitely made mention of it on uh, their website. Like uh, Gene and Paul both kind of like wrote a co-written paragraph for okay, a paragraph so, yeah. or two. So it was two acknowledged. Bill. That, and I honestly feel like Paul mentioned it on stage in some way, shape, or form. Like for bit. like the shows surrounding it. 
I feel like there's, you know, this, and this set goes out to our original manager, Bill Acquire, yeah, you know, yeah, you know yeah, mentioning yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Well, it's, I, um, but I could be wrong. I, that could have just been a weird fever dream. That's curious, though, because of how big he was and that he was the guy again, you know. The guy. Yeah. I mean, you even watched that um, history documentary that uh, A&E did recently uh, when they got that rehearsal stuff of them, you know, unmasked, you know, doing the rehearsals. You just see Bill right there in his suit, was, you know, just yeah. walking around. He was there. He was the fifth member, which oh, is yeah. why he had the cut in with the money and all that that we visited on the earlier episodes. Hmm. Well, interesting. In April of 2011, they reenter a studio. I guess it's the same. You know what? I wrote it down. And I've lost it. I think it's the same, same studio one. they did Sonic Boom in. Greg um, Collins is still there. Greg Collins is still with them. Uh, Paul is producing. <laughs> Greg Collins is engineering. I don't know if he gets. I don't think he even Actually, gets a co-producer credit on this, does he? Now, yeah, you're right. He only gets a recording and a mixing credit. Yeah, um, yeah this, this is this was the one because I was listening to interviews just talking about producers. This is the one where Gene was. Strongly touting this record was fully produced by Paul Stanley. Paul Stanley produced this record. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, it's very, like, I listened to about four or five different interviews well, of this time period when they were hitting the circuit, and he was pushing that hard. Well, um, Paul, of course, in his typical hyperbolic fashion, is saying Sonic Boom, this album will blow Sonic Boom out of the water. Now, admittedly, it's a that's, much that's, easier that's listen. like that's like you know you could throw a, 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 a sand pebble into a bathtub and tip over the the, the, the toy boat that's in there so yeah this isn't going to be well i was thinking blowing something out of the water what how deep is the water is it a tiny yeah, little drop know. of water on the floor uh, well <laughs> yeah sonic boom has to be i you know upon reflection might be their absolute worst album i thought about this another thing to do on the last episode what's our uh, what's our worst Kiss album? What's our least favorite? I think that one? also needs I mean, to be answered in a few uh, episodes. It's, it's neck and neck with Hot in the Shade for sure. I think I think Sonic Boom is in my bottom five. I don't think it's necessarily the worst though, because it's, there's there's still moments in Sonic Boom I enjoy. There's certain records where there's so few moments I can find yeah. any enjoyment out of. It's, so it's, by musical default, Sonic Boom ranks a little higher. It's up there though with the worst. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> or down there. Or oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it is this album as at this point is, uh, I think still yet untitled and it is projected for a fall 2011 release but we will not see it materialize until the fall of 2012 um however in the fall of 2011 on october 13th the band launched the inaugural kiss cruise and they're still going and one of us here at the table has been on a kiss cruise <laughs> yeah, we go back there's a episode that we talk about that but i can't remember which episode i should have uh, that was that on out. something good for you I'll, I'll oh do- that's right we did a special yeah, episode I'll, that's correct yeah, i'm uh, sorry yeah that information uh i'll put that information in the description i'm not going to look that up right now that's hard to look up well but, we alex kind of goes into depth of what it's like to be on a kiss cruise yes yeah. the good bad and the ugly and it's interesting that, of course, Kiss had to hop on the trend because that was the era of when, like, band theme cruises, like the yeah. 80s rock cruises, yeah, they had already were really been starting to done be done a, a couple of times. So will, they weren't really breaking ground with this. I will no. say, objectively, though, out of all the bands to do it, look at it strictly from an aesthetic and money standpoint. 
this Kiss, seems to have Kiss the highest is, profile Kiss yeah. has mm-hmm. done it the best honestly probably yeah. because like I've seen some of the other ones like uh, a couple years ago there was like a country outlaw cruise yeah and I'm sitting here going I'm like that seems really odd. Like that. That seems like so, a juxtaposition. Outlaw cruise. I mean, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's such an odd combo. But then you look at something like a Kiss cruise, a band fits. that's so yeah. visual and party centric. Well, it's like, and, well, of course big, they would have a big boat. Blah blah blah. Yeah. So for some reason, the Kiss cruise was probably the first time. Like the mass as a whole kind of turned their nose up at Kiss, and I just kind of went, you know, if it wasn't so expensive, that is kind of cool. Uh, I've I mean, totally a lot of bands have done that though. Yeah, there was a my favorite was the Motorhead one. It was just called Motorboat. I didn't mean to say I, I wasn't. <laughs> that was a thing. What I wasn't even aware that happened. Was was that had to have been a? I feel like that was a it thing. It was. That's why I said okay. it. Okay, I was sitting there going. I well, I, I well, I have completely dropped the ball here. I meant to go back and look at who the other acts were that shared the the cruise because they always have special guests. It's different acts every year. It's always like Skid Row and uh, it's a lot of hair bands. A lot of the yeah, which they're definitely catering to that. Well, think about it. I know the, that, the, that, that's their audience, I guess. Which well, is the people that me. can afford yeah. those tickets, yeah, are between the eight. They're in their early forties to late sixties, yeah. and that was right in that time period where. I mean, again, you grew up in the 80s with that stuff. If you had liked it, you would have nostalgia for that in your teenage years, which is when a lot of people from this era found Kiss was in their mid to late teenage years. So if that were the case, you'd be eating up the fact that, you know, Skid Row and stuff. But then you're just a dude with, a you know, a lot better taste. And when now that was happening, you're just like, no, I want Iggy and the Stooges. Well, yeah, but. Yeah, so there's I also mean, just a taste difference. I don't like difference. that kind of music. And I've yeah. got negative interest in ever going I don't either. I don't, <laughs> I don't either have a taste for that music. But looking at the audience that's there, I understand why they book those it bands. Seems, you, know, you know who would have crushed at Cruises? Rush. Because the oh my Rush, god, the, yes. the Rush fan base oh, would have. Oh my god! <laughs> oh yes, that that would have. Yeah. You that know, what, and you know what they would have called that? What the snooze cruise? <laughs> hey now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I would have been on one of those cruises probably. <laughs> on March twentieth, the band announced uh, a fifty-one date co-headlining tour with Motley Crue, with the really excellent, clever name of the tour. The tour. God damn it! <sighs> I still don't know that shit. The I Motley Crue. I don't. I. I don't know. But They're still doing a, like the world tour, the stadium tour. You know, people are paying to see it. The yeah. group Kiss makes an appearance on Jimmy Kimmel to promote the tour and do a. I guess they did a small set of songs. Yeah, I, I, and it's another one I meant to write down. I saw that and I was I got distracted. I guess I'm, at this I'm really point, terrible at keeping my notes here. Lately. Man, at this point, like this, in like in real time, I was completely checked out of like Kiss and Motley yeah, Crue. I missed this completely. I. Now, I actually, uh, this was one of the few things I actually remember watching, uh, and I was like looking forward to this coming out. And the reason being, again, Sonic Boom was not that great. By this point, though, I kind of had a little bit of hope because it felt like they were kind of like, oh, shit, they're going to do it again. Like so something about the idea of them doing it again, mm-hmm. maybe kind of raise an eyebrow going, mm-hmm. well, this 
okay, well, if they weren't just one and done in this, if they're doing it again, I'm. They have what? my interest then. What, touring or the, the, rec- the record? Well, there's no record at this point. But they're starting to do this. Like, Motley Crue well, tour they, is still but, technically in support of Sonic Boom. They have not yet finished the oh, next okay. record. They won't come out until after this tour. So I'm thinking, uh, when I started hearing about this during a, a certain talk show that we'll probably get to. Which? It was uh, David Letterman. Oh, yeah. You know what? Yeah. I had that, and I forgot to I forgot to write that down, I remember, too. God, I really just fucked up this show. No, I remember <laughs> what that happened in real time, too, because it was like they started were, playing. Were uh, they actually on Letterman? Yeah. Because well, I, I remember seeing when that happened, they did an additional set that they just put on like YouTube or yeah, something. Yeah, I think it was like uh, might have been just the YouTube page, because the Foo Fighters did that, too. But did they play on Letterman, too? I don't know. This is I was watching nothing but YouTube and streaming. Yeah, so, <laughs> well, Cap, you looked that one up. I'm getting cool. the Kimmel one looked up because I, I feel like I need to correct Russ here for a second because I saw them on this tour and they were yeah. and they were promoting Monster. They were playing a song from the album, but Modern the Day, album doesn't yeah. come out until October 9th. 2012. Yeah, and so they, but they, they, they the were still promoting summer. it though. There's That's, no album to promote. I mean, it's, it's not released. The Hell or Hallelujah they're song. They're playing though. the song, but it's not the album's not out yet. But they're using the new costumes as well, right? So that's that's at least what made me think about it. And that's why I was kind of sitting here going, I'm like, no, I'm staying silent. That's I'm not going to jump see, that's ahead, where, but the, I want to check my notes real all quick. All this stuff gets really confusing because they've they've changed their costumes. It looks like they're starting up a cycle for something. And like I said, the album was originally slated for release at the, or in, the, in the fall of 2011. For whatever reason, it keeps getting delayed. I don't know that that's on their part. I think it might be on the part of them probably flipping rep- record labels again. All you know, there's I, I couldn't find information on that, but you know, it's on a different label. Whereas Sonic Boom, I think we said was on Road Racer. This Road will be Runner. on Road Runner. Um, <laughs> this is under the Kiss Records label. Yeah, but actually, through, uh, through I, Universal, though. Uh, well, we can find out real quick because I actually have a vinyl copy of that record. Oh boy, there we go. <laughs> I mean, it's not that important. Um, I mean, it's while he's doing though. this, I'll mention that they were scheduled to play the. Uh, UK date of the touring Sonosphere Festival in Europe, but that date, which was July 6th, was canceled by the festival organizers due to some sort of logistical reasons or issues or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, July 31st. Oh, well, let's go ahead and finish this here. Well, actually, I'm glad well, I look- no, I want to come back. Let's come back to that when we get to the actual album. Okay, because this has, uh, the label actually ties into something else we'll talk about later. Okay. But before we get to that, I want to stop, and, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about something that was pretty exciting for the old-school diehard fans. Uh, July 31st, 2012, Destroyer Resurrected is released. Okay, well, that's the reason why I wanted to bring it up. So, okay. Monster was released under Universal. Right. KISS is now recently signed to Universal, so now they have the rights to the back catalog. Right. And they give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> and now they that's why stuff is getting released. There, I've learned some did, stuff. Did, was Universal behind the Destroyer Resurrected? Yes. Okay. So, I, I did find out that around this time, management shifted. Like this is just part, found this out through other conversations management about other with time, who? within Universal. Okay, not Kiss. Ma- correct. Management within Universal had shifted at this point, and when people got shifted, Kiss of Kiss fan all of a sudden was in charge and was just like, 
what can we do? So now you're going to see why starting with this release, a lot more special editions and box sets and stuff like that kind of start floating its what, way no, out. There's no box sets. Well, not well, like the icons things and oh, stuff like that. that. that, that okay, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that stuff. Yeah, um, so so there is a, so at this point, that's when you start seeing a lot more of the Kiss music merchandise hitting the shelves. It may be a slow trickle right now, but you'll so you'll soon learn that through the success of it, we get a whole lot more cool goodies nowadays. That continues to happen too. I mean, like uh, there's a new. Uh, a stereo mix of revolver that just came out today as mm-hmm. the we're recording this it's been fun to listen to and that's kind of been a fun thing for people to actually you know go in and care too right with these re-releases so russ what was your reaction when you heard they were going to re-release destroyer and call it destroyer resurrected oh i was always curious about that because we talked about this before in the past like when uh sean delaney went back to do the remixes for double platinum and how Bob Ezrin recorded all of this stuff. Like it's all on the track, you know, he puts echo on it. It's there. You can't get rid of it. It's not, you know, there's no, these are all on the master tracks, all the special effects, all the wizardry, all the Bob Ezrinisms are in the tracks recorded there from the get go. Right. They're not added after the fact. So you can't mix it out. You can't. So I was just curious how they that would be addressed like what could they do and now with the advent of digital technology i guess there were certain things they might have been able to do or whatever and this is done by bob ezrin himself he remixed it himself with little or actually no active involvement from the band no and what was actually funny though when we were talking about doing this part of the episode i was listening trying to see if i found any band interviews band didn't talk about it at all they did nothing to promote it but eddie trunk was uh, having an interview with Peter Chris at the time. He didn't like it. Well, Peter didn't understand it fully. He thought, he never said this, but I could read between the lines, he thought that they Black Sabbathed him, or Ozzy, actually, sorry, oh, Ozzy oh, soloed oh, him. Sharon Osbourne him. Yeah, Sharon Os- <laughs> yeah, they thought, he was thinking they redid his drums. Oh. And Eddie was sitting here going, like, no, 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 Peter, Peter, no, no. They actually made your drums, like, thicker. They, like, they, they took away some of the stuff, you know, it's like, and they added things to Beth, like, they made Beth bigger, you know, they, if if anything they made you shine more on the record he was like oh oh oh, oh really and, and he's like yeah like actually just name me a song i've got a copy of it here i'll see me name me a song we'll play it on the next break he's like i want to hear god of thunder and it clips back and he's just like yeah it's okay <laughs> like he was like totally like taken aback like at first he was hardcore it's like no i don't want anything to do with it and he's it's, like he's like it was like done that. by bob Ezrin though he's like Oh, really? oh, Bobby did it. <laughs> He's is like, it, yeah. Is it like a, was it? Sounds more like a remaster work. It it does because, like I said, there wasn't in the end. That was my point. There wasn't a lot of radical change on it. Um, so here I am as the Kissner. Right, Let me provide it. you. I some know there fun are little changes. Yes. I know. Uh, in fact, there's uh, changes that weren't supposed to happen too. Um, so the notorious one that everyone immediately picked up on was Joint Rock City. 
mm-hmm. they changed the lyric. Yeah. Because it was, uh, it's supposed to be moving fast down 95. Right. That's the what the lyric is supposed to be. They did the little voice thing and made Paul say down. Because if you listen to the record, he says doing 95. Yeah. Moving fast, mm. doing 95. Right. And even Paul talked about it. He's like, yeah, that was a vocal slip, but it was still the best sounding take, so we kept it. So they redid. They fixed that. The car crash has been altered. There's new sound effects during the car crash. All of Peter's drums have had the echo removed by Bob Ezrin found um, drum warm-up samples that That's didn't the have that the echo on it. Well, he found the samples of like the samples of the drums uh, being tested. He just pasted all those in. He sampled a whole bunch of those that didn't have the effects on them. This is when you get placed into, like, them. Yeah, mastering and, nerd yeah, shit. And that's what I said. That's what I'm here for. And then uh, through a computer program, it syncs it up, masters it, replaces the drums. He can requantize, remix it through X Y Z. So you've actually got the Quapper hits and everything else. Cheap Trick did a lot album like that recently, where yeah. like all the the drum hits are sampled. It kind of pissed me off. <laughs> and then after that, uh, you do have the new solo in Sweet Pain. Well, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Well, there's. they also put back during the, uh, that, the tail end of the guitar solo in Detroit Rock City, the You Gotta Lose Your Mind in Detroit yeah, yeah, Rock yeah. City, which is on the... Double platinum, platinum, I think. Yeah. I, and what I've come when I read about this, what I came to understand was that was originally there, and they intended for it to be there, and they took it off by the, at the last hour for the album, very last, which second. was to me the correct decision. But he's put it back here because I hate when they do that. It just, <laughs> I, I don't know why, but it distracts me from that. It's like one of the coolest part of parts of the of the solo. But um, but the lead on sweet pain or yeah, sweet pain. Yeah. Now this bugs me a little bit because I you can clearly tell it's a placeholder. Yeah, I don't think that this was the solo he intended to do i think this was a work yeah this was like he's going i'm gonna put something here fuck around with some ideas here and it's probably going to be in this kind of vein but this isn't you know that wasn't going to be the finished it was a a bullshit solo yeah yeah absolutely and 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 to say that that's the original solo is kind of all right dumb which also goes to show you know which then opens up it's like well okay he was present and accounted for when they said he wasn't you know and i wonder that if some of this was just time constraints like it's it's like okay i can get this guy in and he can do it tonight Bob. and be done because ace <laughs> is taking fucking forever yeah and maybe maybe not but it's hard to say uh two more things that uh were edited and changed on this uh the second most noticeable one is in beth the outtake acoustic guitar mm-hmm. that was originally in the mix is now brought back now that's dick wagner yep now yeah now, when I first heard this, though, I was doing the big finger waving, calling shenanigans thing. I'm like, no, 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 no. They recorded new acoustic guitar for this. I've never heard about them having an acoustic on this song before. This is bullshit. They're fucking around with the original songs now. I was cool with the earlier stuff because it's just mixed back in. This is them adding new shit. But then I heard enough people talking about it later on. I'm like, oh, okay. I guess I that really re- did I happen. I remember uh, it, there was an interview I read with Dick Wagner where he knew he had done it, but was completely unaware that 
it wasn't on the finished album. Yeah, like still got I, his, you know, still got his right and shit. But and then the final oh, change sure. yeah. on the record, and I don't know if it's like this on Spotify anymore. Mainly, I'm pulling all of this from memory because I was obsessed with this record when it first came out, especially because of the new mix and mm-hmm. the way it it sounded really good in headphones and. It just it really called to me, so I wanted to get the vinyl record as well. When I got the vinyl and I put on Flaming Youth, here's some fun guitar mouth work. I'm not going to be as eccentric with it, but you know the intro. Bum, ba-dum, yeah. Bum, ba-dum, bum, right. bum, 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 bum. That exact kind of timing on the record without any skips it's just how it was pressed in it does dun 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 bum 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 alright it completely skips over half of the bar but it sounds like it's fluid and a bunch of people started contacting Universal and was just like this is messed up this is messed up they listened back to it iTunes had a messed up version. Whoever mastered the digital copy mastered it incorrectly, and there was a skip at the beginning of it—a digital skip in the actual music file. Did they correct it? It did eventually get corrected. And the only reason people Is knew it corrected on the vinyl is there two versions. There's of the vinyl? two versions of the vinyl, and guess who has both versions? Well, well, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? There's, 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 there's Hey, when we man. say Kiss Nerd Podcast, what we mean is Alex. <laughs> hey, man. I was excited for this because anytime they've released some old mm-hmm. material. Oh, I bought this when it came out on vinyl, yeah. I wonder which version you have. Probably the original one because I bought it like when it came out. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. when you If you listen to it, listen to the beginning of Flaming Youth. There's a digital skip. It's not your vinyl. It's an actual skip from the master recording. Well, I think that... The fact we're sitting here talking about this record at this point in the game is uh, kind of stands as a stark contrast in effort of uh, what Sonic Boom was. Now, also, yeah. before we move on, do you want to talk about the cover for Destroyer Resurrected? No, you can mention it. I mean, you know, it's the it was the first attempt. I don't even think that was a finish. Well, see, here's the, here's the problem with we it. We talked about this in the original episode, I believe. Yes, so they, they made one pass at it, which had the alive costumes, right. and the city was a lot more desolate, and the record, yeah. Casablanca was like, yo, chill. And there, <laughs> <laughs> but you can tell, that's not a, to me, that's not even a finished painting compared to the what was on the, you know what I mean? So, yes, well, that's the problem, though. So, what they made was a mock-up, right? but Destroyer Resurrected is a fully finished product. When you look at it, like it's a fully painted photo, it's not the original photo. You mean it's the a, painting? Yeah, it's not. A, it's not the original painting. Oh, it's a redone new. Based Ken on Kelly the okay, yeah, because I, I I can see the other one in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's about to go get that one too. I don't. I you don't do visuals on a podcast, dude. It's a, He's, he's doing it for him. He's just like, look, not, I gotta pull it out. He's not doing it for us. Uh, I, I'm just, but to, to say in the difference between, um, I'm gonna take a look at it though. Yeah, it's been a minute since I've pulled mine out. 
anyone tuning in, if you tune in, if you yeah, if you don't, if you're tuning in, you don't hear the beginning of this. They're like, what the hell are they talking about? Yeah, Jerry goes just pulling it out. Russ is like, I hadn't pulled mine out in a minute. Have you pulled yours out? Barry's gonna have a fun time with pulled out. He's holding his hand. Oh, he's handing it to. Oh, it's so big. It's twelve inches. Okay, so so that's yeah, that's the fit. Yeah, okay, I know what you're talking about. I know. So yeah, I know exactly what you're referring to. Yeah, so I do find it odd that they are kind of pushing and and even the signature at the bottom says Ken Kelly 75. They're trying to push this like well, it's the I original wonder, wonder, painting. Well, I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, it sold, it, it did pretty well, considering, right? What, this, the, the story resurrected? Yeah, as far as like, you know, moving sure. units or I whatever, right? I don't know what it did. I didn't, you know, I at that point, did, I, I made, think I was kind of like, you know, I didn't care if it did well or not. I was only interested in my own, you know, self-gratification by having it. Um, and again, going back to like I'm saying, it's, it's. It was such a contrast to what they had going on in that moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, to compare Destroyer to Sonic Boom is is really an, an insult to, to, to what they had done with they're, Destroyer. They're still living in the present. And, just saying, just and they, if they themselves think they have done something that was on the on par with Destroyer, I mean, that's that says oh. a lot about where, how lost they might be. You can't turn back time. There it is. No, Paul. Paul even during the monster uh, press run was not very kind to the songs on Sonic Boom. So I don't think the band was happy with the end result. Well, they shouldn't have been because it sucked. There's just a lot of just crap songs just because this is this. We'll get into like you know the quality of the record, but I think you know they actually gave a shit this time. Well, the great thing about all of this is. You know, in rock and roll, and in particular Kiss, you know, it these things remain as kind of a time capsule. And in yeah. that time capsule, everything remains perfect and pure. Everything that was ever, uh, you know, great or whatever you loved about that band, you can still tap into. It's still there. You know, regardless of what they're doing in the present, you still can go back in time and remain in that time and place for as long as you listen to that album. And that's what makes it so enjoyable. I think, you know, that's the nostalgia end of it, which is a fair thing to say. A lot of people want to criticize the, you know, oh, they're nostalgia. Okay, fine. That's great. You know what? I like a big, heavy dose of nostalgia. What I don't like is what they're doing now. And I'd rather go back to that time and place and get lost there forever That's than to spend a day with the current kiss. I'm but gonna, I'm gonna go hang with my kiss. Unfortunately, that's not the point of this program. For there is no time to turn. <laughs> uh, tour. They tour for uh, this the tour, <laughs> and it begins on July 19th in Bristow, Virginia. It's a suburban area. I guess that serves DC Baltimore is where that's this arena or whatever they're playing. I'm sure it's a shed. Right. Um, we say shed. I love, I love like, like we're in the, we're in the business. We could, we could use the vernacular. We're playing fucking sheds. We're bro. playing the sheds, bruh. <laughs> bro. Opening for, bro. Bro. opening for Godsmack. Uh, <laughs> no, well here now kiss is headlining. Are they not? They, this isn't an alternating thing. Kiss headlines every night. Okay. But they're actually playing shorter sets than Motley Crue. Um, for what well, I'll get to in a minute, uh, this first show is a free event for veterans and their families. Uh, they play a second night in Bristow to officially kick off 
the tour. The tour. The tour. Uh, but their set is sort shortened every night somewhat to time constraints. And Paul plays this to his advantage by saying every night, the venue won't let us play longer because they got a curfew. And in some of these places, that's I mean, that's that's true. And but it's got, also saving his voice. Well, it doesn't. I mean, they're playing 80 minute sets instead of 90 minute sets. I don't think that makes a major difference. But um, it's a not so clever ruse they use to, con- you know, to, to kind of conceal the fact they're playing shorter sets well um, at least they're being truthful with it not like when i saw rob zombie when i was initially seeing alice cooper but stuck around just to see what rob zombie was about uh he had the whole fake uh curfew well i mean it depends you know the, the curfew the curfew the thing about the curfew isn't it's primarily because most of this is done through union work and unions say you know, after a certain minute, they start charging, and it's it's a sizable sum. I mean, it's like anywhere from three to five thousand dollars a minute. Oh, no, that's absolutely true. And they get fined, and but like that's why sometimes like, also sometimes they just say fuck it and just eat. You know, it. Madison <laughs> Square Garden, which is a prestige gig, is not a money gig for anybody because mm-hmm. the unions come in and they eat everything up. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Alex. Oh yeah, no, I was just gonna say that this was literally part of his stage show, though. Oh, right. I, I, he's <laughs> turned it into stagecraft. Here. Yeah, they and are I, definitely that, playing shorter sets that. this whole tour, and that's, that's I'm talking his about Rob Zombie. Rap. Oh, I'm talking Rob, about Kiss. No, I'm talking about Rob Zombie had a guy come oh. up on stage and hand him a piece of paper oh, saying oh, yeah, that he was yeah. going oh. over curfew. Do you my want point it to be, end? My <laughs> point being, well, at that least makes Kiss is being truthful. Rob's using it as a shtick. They're not using. I mean, it's still part of the shtick for Kiss. Though and they're using that because it divert it makes it look like oh we want to keep playing. It's Rob a didn't even get one. Paul's lying too. It's still that's my point. It's the same thing. It diverts the blame away from the band and puts it on the part of the venue. It's a smart thing to do. Even though the va- the band knows full and good and goddamn well before they even start, they're not going to be able to play. But you know, so there's no full set really to be had. Kid Rock can eat it, but Kiss can't. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah. Well, I'm just saying this is just. You know, I think it's also noteworthy, though, to, uh, to keep it going here. Uh, they play nothing from Sonic Boom on this tour. Really? I mean, I did uh, find myself but looking they are playing out, Monsters In. But they are About playing, they're playing Hell, and, Hell or Hallelujah, a new song from the forthcoming album. Which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Because, I mean, like I said, I, if there was one decent song on Sonic Boom, it was the Modern Day Delilah song, which they were playing live. And they were put... Uh, putting on the radio too. Were they? That was the single. I, well, at least I would see. I uh, haven't listened to radio since like it was on classic rock radio, and it was <laughs> since the turn on. of the century. I've yeah. not listened to radio. Hell, Hallelujah got uh, some radio play too because I remember I was working in a kitchen at one point, and uh, they were doing a seven o'clock debut uh, on a radio station like the uh, night before it got officially released on like iTunes and Spotify and stuff. And I remember intentionally uh, needing to take a shit right around that time period well, thanks for that that little <laughs> there's some minutiae well, no, right there so alex had to have a bowel well no I, it was a, no it was a fake one so i could run oh, to the bathroom oh. and put in my headphones and listen to the single you uh, cut me off so <laughs> like i cut that turd off <laughs> so um well i i think you know, I wasn't paying very close attention to this when it was happening. I think, though, that makes sense because everything, you know, if like Universal 
everything snakes down now. You know, there's only like a few corporate entities and they own everything. There's like three of them. Like Live Nation, <laughs> I think, might be part of that universal umbrella. Look that up and see. Because if that, you know, the way that all works is it works now in like a Tumblr because they bought up, they, they own the labels, they own the management companies, they own the touring companies, they own the touring companies, they own the venues, they own the radio stations, they own it all. So everything can be choreographed and tailored to each individual market for maximum, you know, exposure. But, you know, and it so, doesn't seem to work to a grand degree, but. So Live Nation is owned by Liberty Media. Well, yeah, but who owns Liberty Media? Uh, I think Warner's. Oh, well, there you go. I don't know. Whoever, you know. Let me see. I can't confirm that. Yeah, I don't yet. know. I'm just, but I'm just but saying yeah, it as an example. Like it all works like in this snakes kind of spider this legs. Is, like this that. is the you know the, the you know from from the corporate end. This is a very positive thing. From the from the you know the punter end, it's very negative because mm-hmm. it chokes out and strangles a lot of monopolizes yeah, a lot monopolizes of things. things and chokes out stuff that otherwise might exist that you will never get exposure to because it's just completely choked out of the picture that's why you have to go and dig for this stuff i mean you work for the that guy tuck smith yeah i'm sure he has to contend with that shit oh absolutely and, and he's, and, and and he's you know, even part of one of the subsidies of the major labels yeah and he still has to fight and 30 years ago it. you know it would have been a different story um July 31st in Pelham, Alabama. Where's Pelham, Alabama? Well, did, oh, okay, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, what? Wait, you said July 31st? Yeah. Well, first, July 25th, uh-huh. they come to Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And which one Alex Stiff saw. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> you went to that tour? Yes, I went to that show. Oh, well, do you have memories then? Oh, I have vivid memories of this show. Um, I remember only wanting to pay for lawn seats. Because at this point, I was already kind of, even though I was excited that a new record was coming out, I was jaded because I knew what Paul's vocal was like at this point. Plus, was it, it was already bad then. It was, it was shredded by the Sonic Boom Tour. Okay. Because even trying to sing Modern Day Delilah, I mean, I mean, we listened to the record. It's kind of fading on the record, yeah. too. So, yeah, the, well, the tour I, was we'll, really we'll bad. We'll come back to that, too. Yeah. yeah so, but, so I knew his voice was already going to be gone. I really didn't want to see Motley Crue that much. So I was like, no, I'm dropping $20 on lawn seats. I show up that uh, afternoon, and they were doing, like, the $10 upgrades. And so I was able to get, like, halfway decent seats for, like, 33 bucks after like taxes and fees and stuff and i had like actual seats you know what that means it was not selling well it wasn't selling this was 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 a hard sell papered right yeah and papered meaning free tickets were given out Mm -hmm. oh yeah and you you could definitely tell you you could tell who the fans were and who kind of maybe got those free tickets a lot of those kind of went up front um but no it it was by the time Motley was midway through their set, there was a decent amount of people there. It just took a while for fo- it felt like there was a lot of impulse buying and a lot of, hey, did you know Kiss and Motley Crew are here tonight? Oh, really? Yeah, we'll go after work. Because, you know, those amphitheater shows always start very early. So, of course, I tune out halfway through Motley's set, and I remember the guy was sitting beside me, standing beside me. He was wearing a Kiss shirt, and I was kind of look over at him. He's scrolling his phone. I get on my phone. I'm kind of scrolling. He looks over at me. He goes, they need to hurry up, don't they? 
<laughs> I got shit to do. <laughs> and I was like, we yeah. time for this. Yeah, this isn't great. But, you know, the, I want to I get to that. I'm trying to save that and book the, bookmark that if you can. Because I want to come back to that whole kind too. of attitude. Yeah, yeah. but now, so, with one, not one, but two generations are just kind of just yeah, it that was. jaded with Kiss at this point. Well, well it was Motley Crue well, playing. Not even jaded it, it wasn't with Kiss, Kiss playing. It's just jaded with the entire concert experience. But Well, Motley was not doing great. They were also promoting a new single because, of course, Kiss has a record coming out. They can't be a band without something. And they had a single called Sex. Ooh. I remember this. Yes. And I distinctly remember uh, J- Tommy's drum track skipping uh, midway through the intro. That happened on this tour, too. <laughs> and, they, and they had to start over. <laughs> um, but Kiss's set honestly was a lot better than I was expecting. Like, I, again, I went into it just a little bit more like, Ugh. by song two. I found myself to still kind of smiling and like just I was I was sucked in. It was loud kiss songs in my face. And you know what? When it came to stuff like Deuce, God of Thunder, the Gene songs. The Gene songs is when my cynicism went away. Because it's far enough away I can't tell, you know, that it's Eric on drums and Tommy on guitar. I can't see them, so I can ignore them. But I'm seeing Gene and I'm hearing him and it's loud and in your face. And at those moments it kind of faded away and then it was Hi people I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Hello and I, <laughs> and I remember telling myself as they were kind of wrapping up the set, like Black Diamond, Encore era. And I remember kind of even telling myself then, I was like, you know, I never got to see Kiss during the Farewell Tour or any of that stuff. That was stuff. your first time seeing them. This is my first time seeing them. And I think this is going to be my last time. And I just, I remember it just like during the Encore, just kind of telling myself that, just being like, yeah, I think this is, I'm not going to rush to any more of these shows. I'm, I'm going to enjoy what I know in the set and the other. Then Rock and Roll All Night kicked in, and and for the first time all night, outside of maybe Lick It Up, surprisingly, the audience went nutty. And for that half second, because the jaded guy beside me, to uh, add into your conversation later, Russ, the jaded guy beside me went, I've heard this five times, I'm getting in my car. <laughs> so, so there was a few people that were like leaving that like the hardcore yeah. kiss fans that were just it, like we know. we know what happens here we're going to beat the traffic so i kind of have that half moment because i'm looking at my phone i took the bus so i'm looking at the phone and i'm like ooh, there is a bus coming in like 10 minutes and it's going to take me about 10 minutes to get all the way over there i probably could make it but then the little punk rocker in me clicked in and i went as I was kind of wiggling my way out, I looked down the way, kind of surveyed the area, and I went, security's not fucking paying attention. I was about to just bolt down those fucking steps and just get in the pit and just be like, I belong here. <laughs> but I didn't. Instead, I actually did trot down. Like There's, there's kind of a, a midsection at the amphitheater where um, kind of all the main rows kind of stop yeah, and then the pit underneath. Yeah. I did run all the way to that, though, and like no one said anything. I just hung out there with everyone. So that was fun. That, that, that venue that you're talking about in Charlotte, the amphitheater in Charlotte, it's just the worst place in the world to see a band. It sucks. And I it's will the s- absolute fucking worst thing. I've, it's only it's just terrible. And I will say, as the I final little before and afterwards, yeah, the I final little nerd point of the night. 
the reason I was even telling myself, you know, I think I'm going to stay home. And the reason I mentioned it is it was during the Encore Black Diamond and stuff. They were blowing up, doing a lot of the bombs and such. Well, being a very, very, very beginner, novice, musical engineer, mixer, all that stuff, I really listened to the nuances live. And I started noticing they were putting the bomb noises through the speakers. Yeah. And because th- I was right, because like you were mentioning, it's kind of a bad spot for music. I was kind of right next to one of the big speaker columns where my seat was. And I was hearing distinct bomb noises go through the speakers. And I'm just like, ah. I'm sure Motley Crue is doing wanna, the same shit. Exactly. And that's what got my ears tuned well, to it. Well, to it. Let's, let's, get, let's. <clears throat> Sorry, yeah, we yeah. I got long on that one, but hey, it was my first kiss show. Right. You you got to talk no, long on true. your that's first true. kiss Fair show. Fair enough. <laughs> my, my Point was, taken. Mine was years later, but we'll probably get to that. Uh, July thirty first in Pelham, Alabama. Uh, heavy rain threatens to cancel the show, and part of the stage floods. How that happens, I do not know. Uh, the situation was fixed before showtime, and the bands played on uh, September fifth in Clarkston, Michigan, which is Detroit. Uh, this show was postponed after uh, the one of the tractor trailer trucks overturns en route to the venue. Uh, I guess it, they were able to play the very next night. Uh, anyway, overall, this proved to be a much more successful run than the previous several years. Uh, the addition of Motley Crue created kind of a more of a buzz, a than nostalgia package for an audience no longer interested in younger acts, I guess. For some, um, for some reason, Motley Crue just kind of went over hard in that time period, too. Well, both bands benefited from this. And, um, you know, they enjoyed, I guess, sort of an increased presence and an increased demand in the wake of this. <clears throat> I will say, um, even kind of within the little crusty punk, punk rock circle here in town, a lot more people did start kind of talking about Kiss after the Motley Crue tour ran through. Like, it really did kind of put them energize a, a little bit a, like the love and the hate they, yeah. they, they were just in the conversation more again well, it's like oh i can say i saw kiss live now that a lot of people around town were saying that because the tickets tickets were so cheap and they had not played charlotte in a while i guess at that point and so i guess sort of a new kind of generational thing a new appreciation probably came up but that appreciation is of what classic kiss yeah you can't see classic kiss what you can see is this they got my money though yeah that becomes a no that's a whole other podcast (laughs) Uh, October 9th 2012 a full year after it's projected release Monster is released and uh, I guess we'll hit this track by track yeah Uh, I don't know that I've ever listened to this album before I really yeah I've never listened to it all the way through either before this I'm not sure I may have like I said I was checked out i was completely checked out so um this is essentially virgin listening for me even if i had heard it when it came out i I had no memory of any of these songs whatsoever um before we actually get into um the track by track a little audio nerd is on my like on this one if this record sounds a little different like sonically like guitars and drums it does i want to talk about that too yeah okay yeah it was the way it was recorded and it's actually a very interesting technology so there's a i think it's called a task or tasp machine i wish i had, i thought it was going to be in the article but it wasn't um 
but essentially it's a machine that works like a tape cleaner. You know how there's like that constant feed on like a VHS tape cleaner? Uh-huh. Uh, it works like that. The audio signal hits the electronic tape, mm-hmm. records onto that. The computer takes that information immediately off of the tape. So it's like it's reading the transfer mm. of the tape. Mm-hmm. And then that tape is immediately hitting an erase head after it gets recorded to the computer so, and then loops. So they could say it was recorded to tape. Right. So, exactly. But it's immediately but it, transferring to But digital. it has the warmth. It, it has the sound. It has the Maybe, mix. Yeah. It's not Tascam, is it? No. Uh, it it's, that's it's, a brand. Yeah, that's a brand. But the, okay. the, the word is very similar to that. Okay. But honestly, yeah. I think it's a very cool technology because if you really break it down, that's just as good as listening to an original master tape on CD because it's the same process. They're taking the original analog tape, transferring it to digital, then putting it on a CD. I'm not, I don't know that I'm that strong of a purist for that stuff. But I'm not I a don't purist know. for it either, I but those know, tiny though. details in the right hands make a world of difference. Yeah, but so, I, but so, as a nerd, no, outside of this record, it, as a nerd, it excites is, is me. Is Paul Stanley's hands the right hands? There are no right hands but ours. <laughs> but no, I, as, a, as a music nerd, the technology makes me really excited knowing that, like, ooh, with the right amount of money. I people caught what that reference is. I don't, I don't think no, Cap and I no, did. No. I was like, I'll just let you roll I, on that one. I just went full nerd on that one. Yeah, he out nerded well, There are no right explain. hands but ours. Now you have to f- explain. Huh? Now, it's, it's kiss meets from kiss meets the phantom. Oh, uh, okay. If the talisman falls oh, into the right hands. Oh, there oh. are no right hands but ours. I was anyway. actually, oh, speaking of, that's the forward. anniversary of it uh, tonight as we're I recording did see this. this. We record this. Is yeah. it uh, October twenty eighth? That's right. Today, October twenty eighth. Yes, it is. Yep. Little son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I know where I was. Hey, you know what? That was that would have been thirty forty five years ago tonight. I think it was 44. 44? 78, yeah. Yeah. 44. Damn. Wow. How yeah, about a, that? It's a fun little kiss. I'm old as fuck. <laughs> I, was, I was, you know, I nowhere. Even, I, was, I wasn't even a thought. I wasn't even here, man. <laughs> let's go this now. Let's just uh, go track to track. Um, I think I have these in correct order. Um, Hell or Hallelujah. Is the opening track? It's um, single. Not great. Probably not a great opening track. Not a great single either. Um, this reminds me of "Gimme More" off "Lick It Up" and its phrasing, and I, but I still find this to be a better song than "Gimme More" because I think "Gimme More" is one of the absolute worst songs. But the way it's phrased, can you hear what I'm talking about there? Yeah, I do. I like the uh, pre-chorus, but the chorus is just weird. The chorus sucks. Uh, my my overall opinion on it's this just is stupid. There there's tiny nuggets throughout this entire song that I like, but I don't like it as a whole. Like honestly, in the verse when they just hold the note and Eric goes to like the floor toms and then they really accentuate the note changes. Mm-hmm. Those moments are cool, but then it immediately fails because I don't like the main riff. Like the main kind of like rock riff they chose, I don't like that riff. So they keep leaning on that. So anytime I hear that riff, I'm not a fan. 
except for the solo because it adds a little bit of like manicness and it's honestly come on objectively it's not the it's not a bad solo from Tommy like no. it actually had a little bit of feel to it none of the playing's I, bad I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I'm not I don't have a thing against Tommy's playing no but I was saying but like outside of like maybe just like copying oh, yeah, AC yeah, yeah. This, yeah, this there are some moments you can tell that, oh I, we'll I, get to that very strongly that he's downplaying in a way does that make sense like he's yes. pulled back but on this one it felt mm-hmm. like he kind of stepped forward a mm-hmm. little bit more like here's a bit more of like my playing and not a lot of ace copy I feel like yeah. this song was probably about two minutes too long i think that hurts yeah it. but at the end it's still better than anything what what than, about the, the or, i don't think it's as good as modern day delilah but it's better than anything else that's on sonic Boom. i agree with that what about the odd slide moment where paul does the yeah let me uh, tell you how it feels there's a lot of those there's that a just, lot of little things like that i, I don't like any of that off. yeah i mean <laughs> I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forget what song that's in, but um, back to a, the Stone Age. There's a lot of those. Uh, the next song, "Wall of Sound." That's basically Helter Skelter. Oh yeah, you know what? Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that reminded me of other songs on this album, by the way. Um, but this also reminded me of uh, "Murder in High Heels," the riff from "Animalize." Yeah. Um, or maybe crossed with "Love in an Elevator" by Aerosmith. I heard that too. Mm. I can hear that, just like a little like plun dun dun. Yeah, well, there's the better, 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 better. Yeah. Well, see, that riff is my least favorite part of the song. I like the verse when everyone cuts out and it's kind of like those broken chords. And then they kind of bust back in and then stop again. Well, I like the yeah. back and forth of that. I'd I think. Personally, I, uh, on review, I'll go ahead and say this now. This is the best song on the album, in my opinion. Hmm. Wall of Sound? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think that's one of the... Probably because I keep singing, want to hear Helter Skelter instead of this song whenever I listen to it. But that being said, it's not bad. It's, it's. I think this is... I'll be the contrarian. Yeah. I think this is the second worst Gene song oh, really? on the record. Oh, no. I think this, this is the best thing he's written in... I, I think that, this is the best song Gene Simmons has written since probably... Look it up. Honestly, hmm. I, or maybe I think "No, No, No" was a good song. See, I don't know. Gene's got a couple of moments on this album, surprisingly no, to I, me. I, I, I thought that last one, every the, all the words usually. No, he has some shit moments on this he album has, too. It, it, that last album, every one of his songs were like just abysmally bad. I mean, dog fuck he's, bad. He's got one on this album that's just trash. Well, <laughs> but I like this. I think I think this song works best out of all of them. I think it's solid. It's I not one of my favorite Gene songs, but I think it's pretty solid. Uh, next track is called Freak. This is like in my bottom three if I had to pick. It's a, it's an awkward attempt at an anthem. Do you think they're trying to do an anthem? Yeah, it's, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't work. I mean, I give it an A for effort, but, but guys, an F overall. I mean, oh, I don't think this is an anthem. I think I, I mean, pledge that, allegiance yeah, to, to the, the state. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely that's, that's what he was trying to do, and Eat it's not pain. good. You know, I'm a freak makes you want to feel like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm an outsider too. I, I'm yeah, like you, Paul. I I too am. Yeah, a, you know, you, you sixty year old, you sixty year old millionaire. Yeah, he was. He <laughs> 
much more hot chicks in in a in a week than I will in my lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> During the interviews, I was here and uh, the, uh, Paul's discussing that, and he was like, you know, the lyrics really came from you know thinking back as a teenager with my messed up ear and people making fun of me yeah. and this and that. So, so I did find it interesting though that he was kind of acknowledging but this, his oddness in that way. It's like, I and it kind of works. It works both ways. I'm a freak because look at my makeup and high heels, yeah, well, but also I'm a freak because I had the deformity. I, know, I never it, does he reference that in the song because I didn't catch that. And, Not and, directly. And, and my, my, you know, my first thought looking at this was like, oh, it's going to be one of these homosexual freak. And it isn't. But at the same time, you know, this song feels very 90s to me. It's just a boring it's very, song. It's a boring yeah. 90s alternative rock song. It was. You know why? Because it's a boring. <laughs> it's, I mean, well, you know. it's. it's as musicians, you'll probably know at least what I'm talking about. I'll try to phrase it for everyone, everyone else that may not be. It's the walk down the doom, 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 doom. That was a big thing in the grunge era. And, and when we were listening, that also shares similarities with Childhood's End off of um, yeah. uh, Carnival of Souls. Right. Boom, boom, I wonder how much of this stuff had been boom, hanging around that they just had. Right, um, we we could have a whole episode on that. Gene recycled a lot. Well, yeah, I, I knew that, that was par for the course. I mean, he'd done that from day one, though. Yeah, I mean that's not that's his process. Um, but no, boring song to me. Back to the Stone Age. This is a dumb title. Dumb title, but the best Gene song I was in my opinion. Say. Well, what's the riff? I mean, that's also kind of... I heard Helter Skelter again. It's kick out the jams. Yeah. They they strictly said that they wanted to strike an MC5 really? vibe with this song. Yes. Well, they, that's it's, what they it, got is kick out the jams. And the, this is, you know this is heavily... An After air- that, there's no MC5 in this. <laughs> I didn't well, hear no. MC5 either. Other than that, just that one riff, which is kick out the jams. I didn't no, think, even, oh. though, even though Thayer and Paul have co-writes on this, this is definitely very much a Gene and Eric song. This is I think it should have been the single. No, this See, isn't near as good as all right. Wall of Sound. All right, here, okay, here's my arguments. You will confuse this song with Wall of Sound because you know what? They share a lot of similarities. Yeah, uh, hold on. <laughs> Look, I, hey, hey, go I ahead, have the go floor, goddammit. They both have the moments in the verses where the drums stop and it's just the guitar. In the beginning, yeah, yeah, yeah. they both share those moments. The big kind of chorusy bits, both of them have it. But this song has a pep to it. The drums are a lot more exciting. Gene's vocals are better. The only thing that's not better about it are the lyrics because the lyrics are very dumb. I, They're very yeah. caveman, ape, ooh, 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 Wait, back to the that, Stone Age. And it's almost kind of embarrassing because you see the old man and Gene coming out. It's almost like the old well, man shakes fist at cloud see, song. Here's the thing, though. Do we believe that more than the I'm Paul Stanley, the se- sexy 60-year-old fucking... I believe that more because I believe that Paul truly thinks that still about himself. I think he is that vain and that self-centered to where he still thinks he is the sexiest man on the planet and, or at least top five. He, he, he may have the humility at this point to give himself top five. But no, I hearing Gene being the old crotchety, I want to go back to the Stone Age. I don't like all this technology. I, I, I hate all Facebook. Is, all of this is... I, it's all of why I don't... I just don't think this is a good song. Wall of Sound... 
doesn't have that. I think Wall of Sound. I just think that Wall of Sound is just a better written song. It's got a better. The, the riff in this cracks your ribs, though. I love it. I don't it. think so. I, I, love I thought it. it was a bad imitation of, of the kick out of the gyms, and then it falls off at the uh, verse. And That's why I didn't like Wall of Sound, though. Like we, yeah. like, we hate the same songs or have the same reasons for two <laughs> different songs. <laughs> uh, what's next track? Shout Mercy. Um, you know, mediocrity is the dangerous ground that Paul Stanley treads with a fool's confidence. Damn. <laughs> Written like a true poet. I mean, no, I mean, but it's the thing. That's why I was thinking about this. I listened to this song. I was like, it's not bad, but it's not good. It's just meh. Yeah. And meh and kiss is terrible. <gasps> you know? Lead, follow, or get the hell out of the way. And see, and, and here this just sort of meanders. I mean, it's it's not. It's like it's a song. It serves. It's like oh, it's okay. Well, as you yeah. mentioned on the last episode, you know the complacency that the majority of the Kiss Army has for material that comes out. Since I've been listening to a lot of Sonic Boom and now Monster, when I heard Shout Mercy, I went. This is the, one of the best Paul songs he's written in a while because to me it had ex, it had better elements to it. I like the cheesy ooh ooh that's in there I'm because for the devil or whatever. But, but, but you don't get it a lot in Kiss material, but it worked and it I felt would, like it felt like just Paul was trying a little bit more. Like I, you said, it's still it's, mediocrity. It's still me, you know, but I could think of in things the, in the echelon of this era. I looked back and I went, wow, this is Paul actually really trying to create a fun song again. I he has the weakest songs on this album, I think. Well, I mean, I'll get to that too a little <laughs> bit in, in, later. But, I, you know, if I were their producer, the first thing I would do when I sat down, he goes, okay, I've got this. What's it called? Save, say Mercy. Shout Mercy. Shout Mercy. I would be like, no, no, no. Just call it Have Mercy. That would work better. I, I, right off, I'm like, Shout Mercy just sounds, just does, it just doesn't sound that? right. Who says that? Nobody, you know. Well, let me hear but, you shout mercy. Yeah. But, you know, people. You or know, just shorten it to just, mercy. Yeah. The, the, old, the old saying, have mercy. That, yeah. th- th- that works for me. I'm like, you Come know, on, baby, have mercy. You know, ooh, I, ooh. And then it even worked with the oohs after that. Yeah. Um, Bands hire us to be your producers. Yeah, really. <laughs> there's, there's just certain, oh, I mean, there's just us. little things. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I, I think I can produce a Kiss album. But uh, next track. Uh, what is it? Long way down. Yeah, this is like my least favorite. This is, you know what this is? A failed attempt at a Led Zeppelin song. That, and you know, but I was listening, and t- again, on the second listen, I'm going, that reminds me of something else, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And I sat there, and I turned it off, and I mulled it over my head, and finally I realized, this is... Squeeze, tempted by the fruit of another. You know, you know what I heard? I heard something different. It was uh, Fleetwood Mac. Oh well, it's probably both. It's I mean, all of those. I mean, and I thought I'm going. He's I, there's no but way he's, he's out- unconsciously lifting this stuff. He's he knows. And he's, he's trying his stuff. best Robert Plant during the um, would, vocals. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but that that vocal melody that's that's tempted by the fruit of another. God, yeah, uh, but then also think about the chorus. It's a long way to yeah. I, that, that that to me is when it was screaming Led Zeppelin. The thing is, is and it all to me this works. 
except for it just needs it, you need to go ballsier. It needs more swagger. That's my problem with it. It's, it's boring. too slick. It yeah. is. But there's a there, you can the hear the potential one. in this song. It could have been a, it could have been revved up in more of a rocker, and they just sort of you know it just doesn't. It just takes the long way down. Um, Eat your heart out next. Yes, uh, this. starting with a cool little acapella moment. Which, That's, if you listen to it with your headphones, you actually do hear them like laughing and goofing off in the right. background. Yeah, yeah, and that's a fun moment. I, you know what it is? It's humble pies, thirty days in the hole. Yeah, but I kind of like exactly that. Exactly the fucking the, the exactly. laughing, the whole nine yards. It's it's a complete direct. You can hear me in the back going, heart. yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not saying the melody of it, but just the way they do it, the approach. I'm have to it's, do it. it's that it's that opening acapella with you can hear them kind of in the background talking hey, to each other. Hey, yeah, it's on, the same thing. Right. Verse is pretty okay, but of course the chorus sucks because it does. Uh, it's still I th- it's one of the stronger ones on the record. I think uh, it's still I, better I, than anything on Sonic Boom. I cringe yeah. every time because Gene uses it so much. I cringe every time he talks about someone's backbone slipping. Uh, he yeah. uses that line so much, and I just cringe. Uh, like, Come on, baby, let your backbone slip. Uh, yeah, that's some uh, shitty. It's like that's just not but, a good line. Um, and now, in my opinion, I'm just a sucker for cowboy. I, I I think that the uh, solo on this is really good. I yeah. think this is. Tommy's shining moment on this album. Yeah, the music's pretty solid on this one. I just, but this song just isn't good. Uh, the Devil Is Me. <sighs> yeah, I know this is, you know, this is just cheesy. It's just yeah. fucking, it, 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 the chorus is flat out shitty. Uh, the riff is okay. It's decent. It's but the outro, Jesus Christ. Hey guys. I think the riff is too busy. Yeah, probably. It's I don't just know. too busy. But he's not singing over that part. It's just kind of they're like turnarounds. So. That, no, that's he's screaming. The devil is me. The devil is me. It's another Led Zeppelin or Helter Skelter. See, I kind showed of you shit. how badly I remember it. It's, it's this is. I thought this was worse than his other God of Thunder song on Sonic Boom. Well, here's 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 what I wrote in my notes. I was like, I feel like this could have been a pretty strong song, but it's not. I said, Opportunity knocks and Kiss are never there to answer. <laughs> it's like they come up with these ideas, but they're half baked, you know. And you realize maybe they need to sit down with a guy like Bob Ezrin again to help flesh out these ideas and At take them up another. You know, egos would not would allow even, it. I don't even know. If, yeah, well, who knows? I think Eddie Kramer is the only one that could get the real sound out of him. Uh, well, that's yeah, but he's not going to help with the co-writing. No, and they need plus help Ace with the in the band, so he mm-hmm. wouldn't be interested. Uh, speaking of Ace not being in the band, the next track, "Out of This World." Oh, you mean a very, uh, a very self-conscious attempt to copy an Ace Frehley song? No, it is not. I think so. You don't hear um, uh, Mississippi Queen. Uh, oh, I didn't. No, dude, it's Mississippi Queen. It's, it's, yeah, it's I mean, maybe, but I didn't song. pick that up. I just no, the, I'll have to hear that again. Yeah, Seriously, I'll listen to, to it again. The yeah. riff is one for one Mississippi Queen. Well, after that, it's okay. But it's so like him. Look at me. I'm a spaceman. I know. That, you that, know? That's what I'm saying. That's I mean, what it, kills it, it. And his vocal delivery is like kind of. 
Aces. I'll take when, you out of this This world. is still better than any of the Paul songs, though. It's still no. better than anything on Sonic. Yeah. It's Absolutely not. Songs, one. Yeah. Number one. Mm. Number one. You know, number Paul's one. When Lightning Strikes is better than this. Um, it's on par. Because the, the the lyrics to this completely take it out. Like I'm not going to sing it, but I'll take you out of this world like a midnight rocket going up going down gonna feel alright I'll take you out that's, of this world that's, 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 terrible. That's, that's a, horrible that is horrible I don't disagree but using those, those that kind of like uh, those metaphors I mean it's very obvious again the Ace copies yeah you know, but Ace was rock, not I know, that I know that I'm not saying that I'm just saying but that's still what he, that's their approximation mm-hmm. it's a bad approximation yeah, yes but at least when Lightning Strikes was a little bit more clever with it lyrics yeah that's my point oh, so oh, that's so, fine, the, but... so the lyrics to this one just completely ruin it and i don't know the the riff on this it, should, it sounds it, like it, it should... just felt awkward i did not like this at all it sounds like a fucking black and blue song or whatever the fuck <laughs> Maybe, yeah no well i mean let's keep it rolling here all for the love of rock and roll which is even more self-conscious copy of themselves. The riff is a throwback to Mr. Speed. The phrasing reminded me of It's All Right from Paul's solo album. See, I heard Mr. Speed with the vocal beat of Hard Luck Woman. See, I was hearing It's All Right. Or Nothing to Lose. There's well, the lyrics are bad, Bon Jovi, <laughs> and there's no good Bon Jovi. So and this is 100 percent a Paul song. Yeah, Paul is the only writer on this. I mean, Eric Singer sings it, but he's clocked in doing the job. So I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> but this is the sonic equivalent of a of if it, if this is a job, this is the sonic equivalent of septic work. Because this song fucking sucks, Eric Singer, man, that guy. I'm like, you know, least, I, it, it, when he does shit like this, I give him a side eye. I don't know him, obviously. I wouldn't, you know, but I would be like, dude, what the fuck? Is there not a point where you go, oh, I'm not doing that. Come on, cut it out. <laughs> and apparently the answer to that is no, he'll do that. What's He's like, oh, yeah, what are you paying me? Okay. I just, I'm well, like, I mean, man, I couldn't, again, I could not in good conscience sit there and go, you know, yeah, I'm going to Eric Singer does not have a musical conscience Russ. anymore. Yeah, Russ. Like, clearly. You're mean to tell me. You you've been in Kiss for how many years? There's a point and, where I'm gonna be like, Paul, no. And Paul Stanley comes up to song. you and says, "Hey Listen, Russ, Eric, I've written you a song. No, hey Russ, hey Russ, I've written you a song. Yeah, it's called you know, All for the Love of Rock and Roll. It's a little bit like Mr. Speed. And we're gonna pay you. And we're gonna pay you." So get in the vocal booth and sing your song on a Kiss song. Uh, and then I'd you be like, halfway through, like, I would be like, oh, I'd be like, oh, for the love of what the fuck are you making me do? <laughs> no, dude, no, I have a job, okay? And there are nights, last night being one of them, where there was a moment where I was like, I could just shut down and lock up and go the fuck home. And and there are many nights where I'm very tempted to do that. Now I don't. I need my job, you know. Eric Singer doesn't need this kiss job. So obviously, my point, I guess, is that somewhere well, he, he sees this as either good or he's got no integrity. No nah, man, he's just he's just part of the team, man. Uh, take me down below. And Fuck this song. Yeah, that's what I got. This is <laughs> fucking stupid. I mean, 
She said we better move. Hold up, all- hold up, hold up, hold up before you go there, because that is my biggest sticking point with the song. But I want folks to remember last episode when I said Kiss writes about what they know. Russ, what did they do a year ago for the first time? They did the Kiss Cruises. Oh All of a God. sudden, this song is full of ship puns. You can't fuck, tell. Fuck you can't off. tell me. Hold on. You can't tell me. They calm didn't down, write. The, calm I'm down. calm. I am calm. I am calm. <laughs> you can't tell me. That they didn't write this with the cruisers in mind, going, "Oh, this is going to be a party this song for these us. guys." <laughs> Maybe, but this uh, the member this was recorded before they. But they knew they were doing the cruises. Yeah, I don't they, know. Maybe, possibly. I'm, I'm just okay. The line is, "She said we better move. We better move it because I'm already wet." I'm just ugh. this kind or, of shit. It doesn't matter. Also, never no, mind. Take the, you no. on a cruise, you'll never forget. Uh, it's fucking stupid. It's, it's then, just fucking the, stupid. Then there's the G one where it's like, I told her I had a submarine. She says, I think I know what you mean or whatever the fuck. Yeah. I just want to be like, I asked the hostess for my pli- flying test. That's so funny. Yeah, it's you dumb. Know, I mean, even if they were sitting here right now, I'd be like, come on, y'all. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> stop yeah, you it. You 60-year-old fucking, fucking stop it. Just and stop. It, and it's a shame because I think musically this is a cool song. Musically, this whole album's kind of solid. Well, but the songs are fucking dumb. Like, as much hate as we were given all for the love of rock and roll, because it's a Mr. Speed ripoff, uh, riff-wise, it, musically, it sounds a little bit more tolerable. It's musically a fun song. Same thing with this one, how a lot of it's on the floor toms, and then, like, the chorus is really big and open. They do try a little bit harder, but... The dynamics I mean, it's are cool. like, if I want to listen to Mr. Speed, I'm going to fucking listen to Mr. Speed, you know? It's like, I don't want a pale imitation you don't, you don't of wanna, the original thing. You don't want to listen to the uh, the tape, to computer, to CD, yeah. to fucking... <laughs> Thank you, Cal. Well, hey, <laughs> version of that. And, and winding it up, the song Last Chance, the chorus says, this is the last chance to get it right, and they still get it wrong. <laughs> it's, do your dance on the edge of a knife. It's just bad. I, I mean, this is still a giant improvement over Sonic Boom. Absolutely. And that was going to be my main takeaway is as much as hell as we've been given this, especially for the you know last bit of this record, felt like we were a little nicer at the start and then it just got bad. It got, well, the yeah. album does get progressively worse. But at the same time, I still think this is leaps and bounds over Sonic Boom. I agree. Like, Sonic Boom was tough, but yeah. this was not nearly... I listened to this like but three times. There's nothing particularly memorable here that makes me want to give it a second listen. No. But there's also nothing that was so offensive Offensively bad, you just go, "What the fuck?" Well, we all—it's funny. We all came with a different takeaway. What you know, I said, my favorite track was "Wall of Sound." Yours, Alex, was uh, musically back to the Stone Age. But, I mean, you got to pick. That would be it then. I guess stupid lyrics yeah. and all. I mean, they all still, got stupid lyrics. Yeah, but Wall of Sound seemed to have the least stupid lyrics too. I thought, but uh, the riff kills I me. Wanna, I don't want to pick the same uh, song that Alex Dix, so I have to go with. Uh, <laughs> Why not? Because you I got a list. It. I got a top right. three. Number two is uh, Eat Your Heart Out. Yeah, I'd say that'd be that my number the, two as it's well. The, it's the rat. My, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for a humble pie sounding yeah. fucking cowbell rock. Now, uh, it is important to note as well, there was a bonus track to this uh, oh, yeah. album. Uh, there was a song called Right Here, Right Now. 
Do oh, we not listen that. to that? I missed that. That's on YouTube. Um, you're not missing a lot. <laughs> it's a bonus track for a reason. The uh, the intro and the chorus, uh, they have the typical kiss thing of they, they fail at the chorus. The verses are very uninspired uh, vocally and lyrically, but the riff tries. Like, it's very different. Like, it's, it's a lot choppier and kind of uh, classic Paul. Where you you know he's kind of has like his broken chords and the little walks the dun 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 yeah 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 kind of does that a little bit more but outside of that is still not a great song at all. Well, what did we say bookmark earlier? Uh, when I was discussing at the Motley Crue Kiss show, I was standing next to that Kiss fan where he was like just waiting for Motley Crue to get off the stage. Okay, that plays into what my listening to this record, I had an epiphany that it's mediocre, meaningless music like this that has killed rock and roll. Because there's nothing exciting or interesting or, you know, I can't imagine any 15-year-old putting this on and relating to it in the same way a 15-year-old related to rock and roll over in 1976. No. I just, I can't. Because it doesn't have one-tenth of the spark or drive. or it's It sounds labored. And, well, the- and it sounds... You know, it's like they've brought nothing to the table except their own smug sense of self-indulgence. And if there's one thing rock and roll never does well, it's self-indulgence. And I think Rick (laughs) Wakeman taught us that, or maybe Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. But you listen to Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, not me. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I will ask, though, do you not think that they were being self-indulgent in the Love Gun Dynasty era? I I think there's a difference between self-indulgence and self-determination i think they knew who they were and what they were doing and i knew they they felt energized and they felt uh you know they felt productive and creative whereas this like i said it's labored they're they're at a point now where they're you know they've got it in them and they can't wait they felt like you know i've got something in me i gotta get it out you know that which is great rock or not we gotta do it well you know i'm saying even asa peter wrote great stuff that you know well that's why i picked the love gun dynasty era because that's when well that was when it was tailing off that's why i mentioned but i still think even a song like magic touch you know i think he was kind of starting to see himself more as a quote-unquote songwriter and it still had, you know, he still felt creative and energized, and one, you know, whereas a lot of the stuff just is like, okay, I need, I need to start putting what together makes a something. Kiss song, you know. Well, 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 well and, gonna, and, and to a point, go ahead. I was going to say my point. I was going to make was that, you know, oh fuck, I had it and then I lost it. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going to say to me, if one thing I can say that's a plus for this record, why it works better than Sonic Boom, is they're not trying to ape themselves from twenty years prior. They were writing new songs without trying to sound like kiss and and so the closest that comes for me of course was the wall of sound song but when they you can see the parts where it falls off when they start copying like you know when they bring in the humble pie or the when you said mountain or whatever you know these are the obvious cops of other riffs you you know you're finding that you're void of ideas yeah so it's not the same thing yeah that's just kind of that was basically what my point was going to be is that you're at a point now in your career where this is literally the best you can yeah. do and if it's if you can't do better it's almost like i don't know and one thing we have talked about in the past is like Say what you want about Kiss's commercialization. At least to a point, they always felt like it had to be backed up with a certain 
quality to it. It had to have a certain value. It's like we're not just putting out something just to have it out. There's a demand for this, and we're going to make sure that it's something that has a you know that sustains and feeds that demand in a way that satisfies the demand. Oh, Paul loves using the uh, the cake analogy. He's like, you know, if you serve a cake that's you know really is decorated up nice, you know, that's all well and fine. But you know, when you slice into it, what does it taste like? Well, this cake is 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 it's better than the Sonic Boom cake, but it's not that great. Not the um, best cake I ever had. But. Mention, mention before we finish this out. At uh, least it's not a Walmart cake. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> mention the album cover because the, the album cover for this was fairly interesting because it had the 3D album cover, yes. which was not the same as the 3D thing they tried to do with Psycho Circus. This worked a lot better. Yes. Uh, it worked a lot better because new technology and it also worked a lot better because a lot of people kind of deciphered this and figured it out uh, back when it happened. It's just not been part of the conversation again since because it's, you know, primarily among us, you know, visual nerds. But this entire album cover is Photoshop CGI computer generated, except for the faces. They they added the faces in the photo. Those are real face photos of their faces touched up. And they posed like that. But all of the costuming was done so last minute that that photo shoot was done in the Sonic Boom costumes. And if you notice, the Sonic Boom costumes and the monster costumes are not too dissimilar. So it was very easy to paint on all of the new graphics, move arms where they need to be, all of that stuff, which is the reason why the 3D works really well. They were working with brand new assets and creating them in a digital space. So all of a sudden, the cool 3D effect of like Paul reaching his hand out actually worked because they could shade in and color and create the whole damn thing. <laughs> I still think it's a fairly unremarkable cover for a band that well you know then the make if they're going to resume the makeup era they need to resume iconic covers but they failed miserably on oh yeah no this this is all a really bad cover and, and that monster logo looks like monster energy drink yeah it's like so, <laughs> so i'm very glad you mentioned that because of that there are two versions of the album cover that were printed. One version has a line going through the O in the monster, mm -hmm. which is very similar to the energy drink logo. Did they get sued or something? Or was, no one, were they no one saw any official document, but the quote-unquote word on the street is that they did receive a letter. And then within a, within a couple weeks, there Make was a speed. new version of the logo without the line through the O. Well, either way, it was still, just it enough. It still looks the same. It still looks exactly the same. And this also... Doc do got an email went, oh, God damn it. <laughs> do you have any notes in there about the really big promotional item they did around this time? Mm -mm. So The M&M's? <laughs> no, that was Sonic I, Boom. No, I keep uh, going back to the M&M's. Was it Dr. Pepper? No, uh, much bigger than that, uh, both literally and physically. Um, around the time that they released the Hell or Hallelujah single, they also released the Kiss Monster book. Oh, that's where right. This is, I forgot about where that. This I is not, this. Where this is not just a coffee table book, it is a coffee uh, table. That doesn't, oh my that God. wasn't a good Fuck idea. That was a, that was, I, that wasn't a big promotional thing. I, I barely no, got it, any notice because, because it was so honestly, I saw the most cartoonish thing I've ever heard of. I saw way. a lot of people talking about it when it happened. Like it, uh, it, it did the whole kiss casket thing. It got people talking. I, I, 
I don't remember it so being well, that get well, you were also that. tuned no, out. But Russ. I remember that coming out. But I just I don't remember it being like I mean, what well, I that's heard. That's why I said you were negative. tuned out. Yeah, so maybe. I was I was seeing all of it. No, there there maybe was a lot of people talking about. Why it. would we do this? Because fuck you. That's why I'm Gene Simmons can, of who, Kiss. I wonder who bought one of those. So I wonder I, how many of those they actually sold. Yes, I do have rough memory statistics. Uh, less than 300. Yeah, I was going to say, there can't yeah. be many. It, because they hand-numbered each one. And, of course, all the nerds will convene in Facebook groups or message boards and talk about, what number do you have? They did it with the, with the Gene Simmons vault. They did it with the book. They do it with all that stuff. So they were able to figure out, like, someone that had, like, the highest number was, like, 100 and something that they could find. And that they assume, and then eventually this is working off memory. I'm sure it's archived in the Kiss FAQ boards. Someone actually mentioned that they worked at the book factory that had the pages. They would only assemble them when they were purchased. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're made to order. I'm sure. So each number is a real number. Right. It's not like they're kind of jumping around. They literally hand number hand each number, one, yeah. and they said they had pallets. Yeah, of I'm pages sure. that but have never been it? assembled. It's so, it's so stupid. It was a stupid idea. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, they. If finally, it was cheaper, it would have been cool to like get it and like rip out each page and like create some kiss yeah, but wallpaper. It, all the, it was all the current pan though. The current lineup. There's the, nothing no, classic. There, there was, was there. some of the classic. Very oh, little, but there was some classic. I don't want it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Russ, it's a coffee table uh, book table. But Russ, it's coffee like over five thousand dollars. You sure you didn't want it, I'm or sure. something like that? It was I'm a couple sure. grand at least. It was expensive as fuck. Got to wait on the vault that's coming out in a couple of years. Yeah, right. It, okay. Well, tour starts November seventh in Buenos Aires, Argentina, which is funny because in nineteen eighty two they were threatened to be murdered if they played there. Uh, and which actually that they. Uh, Immediately followed Kiss Cruise 2. What's that? Okay, yeah. Uh, well, they have a total of 56 shows, only right, uh, only eight of which are in the U.S. Of those eight, only six, um, or of those eight, six are in secondary markets. So they played, I know when they played in the uh, Carolinas, they played in Simpsonville, South Carolina. Yep, the Charter is, Amphitheater. Which is which is Greenville Spartanburg, I think. Yeah, it was like Greenville area, but like yeah, small town outside of Greenville. Well, it's because well, that's they where the amphitheater is there, though. Okay. Well, see, it's because exactly what you're saying. They had really weird timing. It's like as soon as the Motley Crue tour finished, they hopped on a boat, jumped off the boat, and now here's Monster. So it's like now yeah, they've got to tour the record. Have, yeah, but it's it seems. I mean, eight shows in the United States. This they, they don't plan that poorly. I think there's still well because at they this just point, did the tour. We talk about the. Yeah, yeah, the tour. Right. Well, <laughs> the no, this tour. is the next summer. This is the summer after. I mean, well, not really. Yeah, it's a couple of months later. It's a I couple months. When, it, they, as soon as they hop I off that see, tour, well, they played in the, the U.S. in the summer. I know that was in the summer, but of, that was the tour. No, the, the, tour. the tour. No, I'm saying when they did like the Simpsonville show, that was in 2000. Oh, July. So it was the year later. Um. Anyway, they play at four festivals in uh, major festivals: uh, one in Chile, three in Europe, including uh, Hellfest in France. Yes, on June twenty second, uh, the set list features surprisingly three songs 
off the two recent albums. Uh, they play Hell or Hallelujah and Out of This World from Monster and Say Yeah from Sonic Boom. They dropped Modern Day Delilah. That seems like it would be a better choice, but now I wasn't, you know. I um, did see a live clip of uh, Say Yeah and wasn't I'm that like, enthusiastic. I, I'm like, yeah. Now, I will say the earlier shows also included, it had Hell or Hallelujah, Wall of Sound. They play Wall of Sound at early shows? Out of This World and... Uh, so they had more the earlier on yeah, as the tour went on they kept yeah. dropping them well, I mean, and, I, and I even know they played um, what's the Gene one that was real slow uh, near the end has got a thunder song oh uh, Devil Is Me they, they tried that at a, one show and it just they never played it again Nobody cares. Nobody want. Nobody gives a shit about New Kiss. Like well, what Russ's point was I mean, earlier. They don't. Uh, the most notable thing about this tour is the new stage, which is arguably the coolest stage they ever had, which is the Spider Stage. Yes. Which mm-hmm. I guess did not always work as they had hoped. Now but, this entire tour started with great intentions. A lot of songs from the new record, an awesome stage where uh, the three members up front were uh, brought down from the ceiling, a la uh, the farewell tour. But well, this they, time they've come down from the from the top every tour since. Not Sonic Boom. Oh, not they Sonic came Boom. over the drum that's kit. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So with this one, they're coming down from the lighting truss again. Right. But this time, instead of it just being a platform, the platform is connected by a bunch of those wire steel beams in the shape of spider legs. And within the legs, kind of on the inside, are different moving spotlights. So it's- the concept being, when they finish dropping the members on the front of the stage, when it kind of like crouches down like a spider, it can come back up and interact during songs. Yeah. The it's legs like, can kind of like, move. It's an interactive light rig that's that cool. looks like a spider. Yeah. Sort uh, of similar, that's... a more modernized, more complex version of the bomber light rig that Motorhead had. So it's the same kind of concept as it's interactive. I, I think it's a very, very impressive. I mean, I, thought, I saw that was like... I would almost pay money to go watch that now, you know, but I didn't. But no, unfortunately, I think within like three or four shows, like there's like video footage of like the leg kind of like spazzing out where you oh, see no. it like trying to move up and it's just kind of wiggling and sitting there. So pretty soon it, all they did was use it as an elevator, drop them down. It goes right back up again. Yep. Yeah. That's all. That's the only thing they kept on it. Damn. So yeah, starting the tour with a really cool stage and a bunch of songs and then ending it with a half stage and one song probably. Mm-hmm. That's that's unfortunate because that was such a cool concept. It Whoever really designed was. that that was that was really Who clever. Who do you think designed it? I don't know. Paul. I mean, did he though? I mean, did, it, it, somebody I like, had like a, different companies for this kind of thing. So no, I know they got in no. trouble for stealing Motley Crue's guy for their stage show recently. Oh, I didn't know about that. No, uh, it, at least this one specifically, I can say there's proof that Paul designed this uh, well, one. Well, it's a good idea. He designed. I know he designed like the Dynasty stage. I'm sure he had a sizable hand in it no well, doubt he yeah. had the idea but, for mean, the spider okay, rather I so he, he may have not designed all of, like the placement of stuff but uh gene uh he was doing one of the kiss conventions during that time because he was pumping one of his new uh, lines of bases and someone was asking about the monster album and what the tour was going to look like and he goes actually uh he, he picks some random person in the audience he's like you come here and he kind of waves him over he goes 
He goes, I want you to look at this phone. He goes, this is a sketch from Paul Stanley. I want you to tell me what you see. And he's like, looks like a spider with lights on it. He's like, yes. He goes, this is going to be. And he's like kind of holding up his phone. So apparently Paul drew out like this fast little sketch of like what the lighting rig would look like. I'm just either way. I just think it's cool. Yeah. Was it inches or uh, feet? (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to do it like this. All the same, this is where, it seemed like it was in this tour where his vocal problems become very pronounced. Yeah. And it's sad to see, you know. One thing I've learned when the show is just, it's been depressing to see, you know, it's always sad to see your heroes fall from grace. And, you know, they... It, what, but what's so odd to me, and we're going to see this start growing a little bit, it's like they're doing this, but there's an audience that so willingly accepts this poorly aged, broke down, second tier version of KISS. Oh, they're just as popular as they've ever been. That doesn't mean shit to me. They're not mm. as good. Well, they're still drawing. You know, they fill out stadiums. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, but look what also fills the top forty radio. I you know. can't tell me that the masses at large have that much standard. Sorry, they, folks, they but they are yeah. not one tenth as good as they were in their prime. Now, most bands aren't that have aged to this point, but some bands they didn't set the bar quite as high. But you know, there seems to be a point where they have to recognize they're getting, you know, they're overreaching. You yeah. know, and with Paul's voice being so bad, and and it's not, you know, it's not. I'm not, I'm not insulting or putting the guy down. It's I mean, just a it's, fact. It's just a fact. You know, you're it's not like, sitting here going, Paul where, sucks. No, you're just it's saying like, he his was voice once a great bad. singer, and it, it's more pronounced that it's so bad because he had once been so good. Um, and said things about lack, bands that. You know, keep going at too long at the party. Like they would yeah. make comments about that kind of thing. They Sorry. make, yeah, they themselves would make comments, and they have stayed way too long because they lack any of that kind of uh, passion or energy, integrity, the sheer huh. stamina of the original lineup. You know, and I think stamina is the right word. And I don't buy into that play better argument either. That doesn't mean shit to me. It doesn't mean shit to rock and roll. It just. You know, because rock and roll is all about the sweat and vigor and 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 the and the stamina and the endurance. You know, and these these bands don't have it. Young bands don't have it. It's just it's not the same thing. And and you know, this is just a weak kneed, watered down shell of what once was, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It just I, I don't think it's even in my opinion. I think it's obvious that is the fact of what it is. I do find it funny though, Russ, that. Um you and for both of us, our first Kiss shows were some of the lowest points in their career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you, you've seen enough, probably since, to recognize. Okay, I what I saw really was yeah. But they're going to continue to be successful. That was, that was capital K, my friend, lower case. My friend Andy ISS. and I went to go see Van Halen at their uh, first first reunion show oh, i was so excited about this the very first one was in charlotte and tickets sort of fell into our hands that day and we went to go see it and you know i had thought of kiss reunion the reunion of kiss in 1996 where they came in and tried and did a pretty good job at recapturing the vibe of 1977 you know this is kiss this is what it was and here we are again and we're doing it the way you want to see it the way it should be 
Give us your money. <laughs> well, no, but they did. Yeah, I know, give I know, us your I money. Know. Yeah, hell yeah, I'll give you my money. I want to see it. I, that's again the quality part. When I went to see Van Halen, I was thinking, well, Van Halen is the other defining arena rock band, and 1984 is a, a watershed moment in arena rock staging. That Absolutely. was a, a very impressive show and i'm sure you got and what i got with van halen was the van halen uh las vegas light review of 2000 and whatever it was it was bad i mean it was just bad david lee roth comes out in a matador suit looks like steve martin oh, from the I three amigos this. i remember it's these definitely photos not, it's, like, it's definitely not 1984 it's david not lee roth and they don't even try miles. and in my and, and the point is was we were leaving uh some woman you know we live in north carolina so it's like you know we hear well that was a rock and roll show and andy who was like at this point 25 maybe turns and looks at this woman and goes and andy had seen a a a bunch of good shows at this point right and he goes, if you thought that was a good rock and roll show, you obviously have never been to a good rock and roll show. <laughs> I can he see told this lady right in her too. face, and they just looked at him like he'd grown a second head. We were just like, man, that was some dog shit. We wasted 80 bucks and two hours of our life watching that <laughs> yeah. bullshit. That's honestly how like, I felt at the end of and, the Motley and, and I say that, And I will say that to any one of my friends that went to that show and said that was a good show. You obviously have missed out on some really good rock and roll shows. And then you see this, and it's the same thing. But I can't compare Kiss to Van Halen, or like I said, and nor should I. Nor should I compare Kiss to Aerosmith or, or any, any other band. Because Kiss contain, exists, and I've said this a thousand times on this show, it exists in its own self-contained context. You know, here they've come the closest they've ever been with this staging. It's finally oh, okay. They've got the they've got it kind of right, even if they've got two replacement members. But they've reached a point now where they just physically can't do it anymore. Again, yeah. throughout this whole cycle, you see them trying harder, a better stage show, arguably better looking costumes than the Sonic Boom costumes, and and even. Slightly better songwriting. It really felt like like they gave it that one last final okay look. We're gonna give it our all. We're gonna do the new costumes. We're a new stage, new record, and let's you, see what happens. But if you put the floor to the if you put the pedal to the floor and you've got no gas in the tank, you're not gonna get very far. And that's just the, that's the reality of what Kiss has become. Uh, but knowing where their attendance figures are headed. I'm clearly in a minority opinion. Uh, as they, you know, they're clearly not backstepping here, is what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that arguably um, the shows have been doing really good. They've been playing to some massive sized Well, crowds. they are now, but not in this era. In this okay, era, yeah. they're kind of still, they're crawling back up to a point, but they're, they're you know, they're, they're not doing as well as they will do here coming no. into the future as Monst- they proceed into a into the next decade of the 21st century. But but Monster did not do well. Yeah, overall, yeah. It, well, it, it, did, opened, hey. it, no, it did like all Kiss albums. <laughs> it debuted strong at number three. Two. Two. I thought it was number three. Either Paul, way. Paul claims number two. Well, I think. Either way. Paul either dropped. way. That's why it, I threw it, the little it, it fell faster than Sonic Boom. It was off. It was completely <laughs> off the charts in six weeks. Yeah, nobody cares. No one cares. Um, but again, uh, we'll see where this is headed as they go into the next decade of the 21st century. And we will talk about that, including probably the greatest accolade of their career 
on the next episode of No Time to Turn, and hopefully you'll join us then. So for Cap, and for Alex, I'm Russ, and we'll see you next time on No Time to Turn. Thank you for listening. Please insert another coin by supporting the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash somethinggoodnetwork.